You are about to listen to Defending Black Girlhood Podcast, and I'm your host, Lelada G. I'm a black mother. Look, I don't care what Mookie May May and Lakeisha oh, Mama does. I'm not Mookie May May and Lakeisha uh, Mama. Tripping. A preacher. Give me the key of D. And Mary had a little baby, and his name was Jesus. A life coach. Look, girl, if Chump don't want no help, Chump don't get no help. Oh, and a singer. And I, and I, and I, no, I ain't a singer. Most of all, I'm an advocate for black girls everywhere they are. And I'm telling you right now, I am unapologetic as hell about my fierce advocacy for black girls to be safe in their homes, schools, and communities. Join us for courageous conversations about topics that most impact our girls and be inspired to do your part in defending black girls in your part of the world. Some information may contain graphic, violent, or explicit language. Listener's discretion is advised. being brought up in a, in a white home, you know, the kind of the unsaid rule or the unstated rule is don't rock the boat. Mm-hmm. And when you hear your loved ones and your family members making uh, hateful comments or racist remarks, um, the, you know, again, the, the undercurrent is they're still good people. Before you go into mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, you need to have those boundaries. You need to have a strategy. You need to have a plan. I think there's so many mixed emotions because you see everyone else and they're with their families. Mm-hmm. You see the TV, Hallmark movies, <laughs> everything looks all great yeah. and perfect, you know. The sweet music playing in the <laughs> right. background. Right. <laughs> and you can't even go around your family. Right. Right. <laughs> children, the children of those who have been abused are exposed to the abuser and then they mm-hmm. also are abused because it's this kind of diluted almost perverted sense of family that Mm -hmm. continues to put children in the line of fire so when i became that essentially that rock for my family um from both my parents and all of my siblings then it just became i can't talk about what i'm going through when you see that big lump up underneath the rug Mm -hmm. y'all just swept something under there right Mm -hmm. acknowledge it I just send out lots of love and prayers to individuals who have themselves had COVID and and, and made it through, but also who have had loved ones who suffered through COVID and perhaps you've lost someone. So I'm sending you love in particular this holiday season. And for many of us, an interesting thing to me is that all of us, not just in my city, not just my state, not just the United States, but the world are facing a very similar situation as the holy season approaches us that we may not be with family and loved ones. As a matter of fact, many health officials are really discouraging gatherings of family members who do not share the same household in order to be able to slow down the climbing numbers of COVID. 
you know, just a reminder that you could be asymptomatic and still have COVID-19, which means even if you don't even sneeze, you may still be able to pass that on to other family members. And, you know, each family member, each individual, each family has to make its own decision about how to observe the holidays this season, but be careful out there, be well out there, and make sure that you're taking good care of yourself and others. So I thought for those of us who um, may have some trepidation anyway around the holy season and holidays with getting together with family, even the family in which you live right now, that I would reach back and bring up an oldie but a goodie from an earlier recording called Drama, Drama, and Your Mama. And really looking at the kind of trauma that we have to think about, contemplate when you know we're thinking about family, when we're thinking about our own mental health, when we're thinking about how to stay emotionally healthy, And again, though many may not be gathering in person with family members, holidays have a way of just digging up old trauma. And so I have some guests on this episode that are going to be speaking about their own experiences, as well as um, Myra McNair is going to be on, who is the founder of Anesis, which is a counseling facility here in Madison. And... um, it offers cultural specific support to families of color, particularly black and other communities of color. And so the interesting thing though, as I was listening to this episode, it was recorded four years ago. And four years ago, as you listen to the conversation, it almost sounds like it's recorded right now because I was talking about you know, the holidays right after Donald Trump was elected and kind of how it was dividing families and causing havoc. And here we are four years later after an election season, and some of the issues are still the same. So whether you're gathering with your family in person or we'll be doing Zoom or talking to them on the phone, some of these hot topics and places of division in families that have pitted brother against sister, sister against mother, mother against child, you know, in these times in our country is so appropriately um, spoken of four years ago in a way that we probably are talking about it this year. So again, this is a special holiday edition. We thought it might be helpful to any of you who know you might be facing some trauma, some drama with your mama this holiday season in 2020. So I hope this is helpful to you. Again, uh, many blessings to you. And during this very challenging season, I hope that there are many things that you can find a reason for which to be grateful. I am grateful for you, for you listening and um, take care. Let's get ready to jump in. Our topic is trauma, drama, and yo mama. And very clearly, not your mother or your mama, yo mama. 
<laughs> so we have several guests joining us today, both via phone and in the studio. Our first guest is Myra McNair, owner and founder of Anesis, a which is a fam- marriage and family therapy and um, substance abuse counseling facility. Myra has a bachelor's in art in biology and a master's of science in marriage and family therapy with specialties in addiction, depression, anxiety, psychosis, parent-child attachment, marriage counseling, trauma-informed practices, and cultural interventions. Woo! My Lord. In other words, she can help you out no matter what your problem is. Welcome, Myra. Thank you, Aleda. <laughs> okay, so now week after week, you have heard sound bites and announcements from our next guest, my assistant Cassie Marzette. And um, today, though, she's going to play a little bit of a different role as studio guest. Cassie comes from a large family who has had their share of trauma and drama. And today she will share parts of her personal journey towards healing by creating healthy boundaries for herself. Cassie, thank you so much for being willing to share your personal story with us today. Absolutely. And then by phone, we're going to be hearing from my friend Lori Burgos, who will be sharing why she's decided not to go home for the holidays. When I first was thinking of the concept for this show, my thought was really about how holidays tend to bring up a lot of anxiety and dig up old wounds and ongoing trauma. And so I wanted to speak about that. But as I speak with friends and as I continue to watch my Facebook timeline, I see that a lot of individuals, which means a lot of families are still reeling from the election and many are actually dreading the holidays, which is which is really sad. You know, we've always had Democrats and Republicans and independents. We've always had these different political mm-hmm. views, but I haven't in my lifetime seen an election season that has been more devastating than this one. Would you ladies agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. so, um, so it's going to be interesting. And speaking of which I had a conversation with my friend, Lori, let's get her on line. Lori, are you there? Hi, Lori. I'm here. Great. Hello, Lita. Thank you for taking the time to join us by phone. And so in speaking with you, you know, you had shared that you had decided not to go home for ho- for the holidays this season. So can you tell us about your family dynamics and how that impacted your decision not to go home for Thanksgiving this year? Sure. Well, I think family dynamics can be complex, and as you um, alluded to earlier, there have always been differences in political opinions or um, beliefs that might come around any type of dinner table at the holiday season. Um, but so I don't know that that is different for me this year. I don't know that anything is different for me this year, but I also believe that everything is different this year, Mm -hmm. knowing that I am coming to the table um, in, you know, the midst of a post-election season in which the rules of the game did change. Um, There was outright hateful rhetoric. and, And so for me, it's difficult to come around the table and pretend that everything's okay because mm-hmm. what's really going through my mind is what do you believe in? Yes. Um, what do you stand for? What will you speak out against? Um, we heard a lot of hateful language towards virtually 
every group possible. Right. And part of me just wonders if, if that's okay and um, you have the right to vote for the candidate that you want to vote for, um, but how? what is your limit on what you will put up with and what you will, when will you take a stance on something? Yeah, because so that's really, those are the questions going through my head, and I don't know that I want to bring those questions around a dinner table when I'm not hosting the dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, we always have had rhetoric with um, election season, but I think when you're talking about the hatefulness of this particular election and how you mentioned that almost every group was um, really kind of verbally torn apart, except I will say for straight white men. Um, Correct. <laughs> um, it's, it's the thing that kind of impacts me differently is that the other side has um, really made excuses for it because we're used to different opinions. But I think some of the hateful things that we've seen is the justification of it or the sweeping under the rug of it. Even the very um, scary sexual things that were said against women, you hear women say, ah, it's just locker talk and, you know, all this type of thing. So that there's been this mass need to almost sanctify this heinous talk and behavior. I agree, I, and I really believe that um, if, if I were the person hosting dinner, then um, it's one thing it, who I invite to my table. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also another thing knowing that um, in my family, uh, being brought up in a, in a white home, you know, the kind of the unsaid rule or the unstated rule is don't rock the boat. Mm-hmm. And when you hear your loved ones and your family members making uh, hateful comments or racist remarks, um, the you know again the the undercurrent is they're still good people, mm-hmm. and while I think it's okay to love your family members, um, I I also think it's okay to not like the things they say, and mm-hmm. I also think it's okay to speak out against that. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. I also understand that um, when again when I'm not the host, that that might not be the desired dynamic, and mm-hmm. and I there are certain things that I will speak out against. Um, in a in a polite way and in a way that's open to listening and dialogue, but there are certain things um, that I just cannot be okay with. And so, yeah. um, actually, just to clarify, I'm actually going to be having um, this similar conversation with my parents Uh-oh. today because I really no, but I think it's okay because if I'm okay calling you um, on the radio and having this conversation. Mm-hmm. I really want to have this conversation sitting down with them and explaining Mm -hmm. this is how I feel. This is where I am. Mm -hmm. I love you. I want you to know this. Um, And and I want to be here. I am here. But um, there are, like I said, there are just certain things that I cannot be silent against because I feel that I'm being complicit in the hate. And I I appreciate that stance because I think a lot of times – there when there's kind of racial situations or other forms of oppression you always have the allies kind of come to you i'll have a lot of white people come to me in secret and say oh i think they feel so bad about that but they'll never speak out against it they'll never challenge their family over the turkey about the racist things that they're saying you know and i don't need to hear how bad it is 
honey, I already know. So you <laughs> preaching to the choir when you're talking to me, go talk to your people and, and, and right. bring some enlightenment there. So I know you have beautiful kids. How difficult was this decision for your children? Well, I have four kids. I have four awesome kids. Yes, you do. And um, from my three older children um, are going to be sharing some of the Thanksgiving time with their dad. Okay. And my youngest child will be sharing the time with me and with my husband. So we're used to split family dynamics during the holidays just because that's what happens when you are a family um, with multiple families involved. Right. So we, we always put, find some together time as, as a unit, and then we'll also have some time apart. All right. All right. And so we want you just to hold on line for a minute. We're going to bring in Myra on this mm-hmm. conversation. And so, Myra, with such a straining and even draining presidential election season, we know that many families and even some marriages are mm-hmm. at odds. And so what do you think couples who voted differently and um, maybe who are having some friction because of that, mm-hmm. what kind of, are you seeing any of that in your practice or even if you're not, what kind of advice would you give couples? Yeah. Um, well, in my private practice, I'm seeing more of just kind of what we just heard more about the parents, like people okay. coming home and being really worried about what that is going to look like for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. knowing that um, their parents voted for Trump. Okay. Um, and so there's a lot of tension there. I've been seeing a lot of that. As far as married couples, I haven't seen a lot of that, but we know that it's there. Right. Um, and I would suggest as far as going into the holidays, right, we're, we're talking about Thanksgiving, yes. being thankful, right. right? So where are some things or where are some areas that you are thankful about mm-hmm. that you do have in common that you can highlight? Um, because, yes, the elections happen, but you still have to move on. Right. right. And you still have to be married and you still have to function as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really difficult because, um, you know, if you were to ever hear of a couple to divorce over an election, you know, that's a sad thing. Right. I, and like we said, I mean, this election had a lot of different things in it that people are very passionate about. Right. Um, and then if you're a woman and you've had past history, maybe with sexual abuse or different things like that, it just brings out all those different issues. Um But I would just say for the holidays to try to focus on things that you have in common, things that you do agree with. Those are the things that you want to bring around the table with you. Um, And then setting some clear boundaries. Mm -hmm. You know, um, this we're not going to talk about politics. Right. You know, but before you go into Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving, you need to have those boundaries. You need to have a strategy. You need to have a plan. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. And so we know this is going to be a very difficult um, season. And I love that thought about uh, focusing on gratitude, Yeah, you know, um, but for, for someone like Lori, who's making the decision not to go to family dinner, because she already Mm -hmm. knows what it's going to be like. Is is that okay for people to feel like, Hey, you know, I'm just Mm -hmm. this year going to take a little bit of break. Absolutely. I do think that is. Um, I don't think um, it should be like a total family cutoff, but I think Mm -hmm. if you know what, I mean, we know what our families are like, right? Right. You grew up with them. You kind of know what that atmosphere is going to be like, be like, especially after this election. And if you feel that this, that you just need that break, Mm -hmm. right? You need for your own self care, your own mental health. um, I think that's, a lot better than going to Thanksgiving and just 
having a big fight or an argument or just not even being happy, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I don't, and I think that it was, it's really healthy to have that conversation like, hey, this is what I'm doing and this is why. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and hopefully maybe next year we can have Thanksgiving together. Sounds good. Well, Lori, we thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. And we hope that the discussion with your parents goes well. I'm sure it will. I, I think um, this is something that many of us who do take a stance on social media or with our friends or even in the workplace, mm -hmm. um, I feel very strongly that as a white woman in our current reality and situation, it could be very um, easy to avoid these types of conversations with our family members, with people that we know, with other white people. Mm -hmm. um, I really believe if we want to make a change, we really have to, as white people, take a stand right now and say, what is it that we believe in? Are we okay with this? Mm -hmm. And let's please not become indifferent to hate. Mm -hmm. And that's why you my girl, Lori. Thank you so much and have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Have Absolutely. So if you're just joining us on a public affair, I'm Lelita G, your host, and we're talking with Myra McNair. Cassie Marzette is going to be a guest today. And we just finished a conversation with Lori Burgos, who had decided not to go home for Thanksgiving this year. Okay, so... Let's move a little bit away from the political family debates. And I don't know about you all, but I am personally exhausted of saying both Trump and Hillary. So <laughs> let's move into a discussion, you know, about longstanding family trauma and drama that may stay dormant for the better part of the year until the holiday seasons come. And there's a strong expectation that family trumps everything. So Mary, you're both a therapist, but you're mm -hmm. also the first lady of Zion City International Church. And I'm going to translate that for folks. Um, <laughs> first lady is a black term, which actually means you're married to the pastor. <laughs> not, not the president of the United States, <laughs> but you're married to the pastor. So have you seen a lot of family strife that's stems from intra-family abuse, both in your practice or in ministry? Yes, um, actually in both. Um, I have a lot of um, individuals in my private practice um, that do not do family gatherings at all for the holidays because of that, um, I would say mostly because of sexual abuse. Okay. Um, and there is a culture within that that really likes to hide yes. what's going on in the family. And that, that they're family and they're still invited to dinner mm -hmm. and you're still invited to dinner and you're kind of supposed to, I guess the culture is come and act like everything's fine. Right. Um, when things really aren't. And so there is a culture for, um, in a lot of families, um, with that around sexual abuse. Um, and I think it's a very healthy thing to stay away from that, um, because it's not okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I see a lot of families with that. And I think even in the church, too, also. But I think in the church, um, it's not talked about as much as it needs to be talked about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Which is something that we, we are certainly trying to work on. We do have a caller, Lexi, who wants to talk a little bit about setting boundaries in certain topics. Hi, Lexi. Hi there. Um, 
I uh, I think it was the, the therapist who had commented that, you know, it's okay to say we're not going to discuss politics at the table. But I think that it's important to show, especially if there are children, that you can have discourse that's civil and you can have people disagree. Um, but just to, for kids to see all the different points of view, because it opens up a lot of a lot of discussion. I know that I'm going to my in-laws. Um, I'm sure someone will preface it with, let's not talk about politics. Mm -hmm. To me, that's like, well, these things aren't politics to me. To me, politics are like, what's the policy for such and such? But if I want to talk about, hey, will you put the Black Lives Matter sign in your front lawn? Mm -hmm. To me, that's not Mm -hmm. politics. Right. Mm -hmm. But what they mean is don't talk about anything that we might disagree on. But that's boring. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Lexi. You want a hot topic at Thanksgiving, huh? (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, because otherwise it's just like, why are we getting together if we're not, you know, if we're not going to talk about real things? Like, do we want to talk about movies the whole time? Right. Mm -hmm. And there's no good movies out right now. So that would be a very short conversation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. I don't think Moana comes out until the day after Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I think every family is different, right? And so you know what your family is like. You know what their temperaments are like. And there are some people where... It's not an option, and I think that's okay. And there's some families, like, that's what they do every time they get together. They talk about mm-hmm. politics, and they, you know, talk about different things like that, or they talk about Black Lives Matter. And if that's what the family culture is, that's great. And if everyone's used to talking about those things without getting angry and super upset, then I I say go for it. All right. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for your call, Lexi. Okay, so for families that are dealing with trauma, and that it could be sexual abuse. We know that is a big one, but it could be emotional, physical, mental abuse, and otherwise. How might these families be in a heightened state of trauma or crisis around the holidays? Oh, I I think there's so many mixed emotions because you see everyone else and they're with their families. Mm -hmm. You see the TV, Hallmark movies, (laughs) everything looks all great and perfect, you know. The sweet music playing in the (laughs) background. (laughs) And you can't even go around your family, right? right? (laughs) Right. So I think there's a lot of different emotions that come up for people. Um, A lot of loneliness, a lot of depression, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of, um, you know, isolation that happens Mm -hmm. for some people. Um, And then there's those other things that people turn to. You know, alcohol, drugs, different things like that, mm-hmm. um, because of the all the different emotions that are going on, or they go to their family functions, and there is a lot of alcohol use or different things like mm-hmm. that, because that's the way everyone's dealing with the secrets or the different right. trauma that's within the family. Right. Um, and so there's just, you know, that also another culture within that, with that substance abuse, too, that so goes true. along with trauma. So true, you know, and I have had some people in my family who have been substance abusers, but mm-hmm. by and large, over the years growing up, when I would go to my family functions, you know, we never had alcohol, mostly because my grandmama mm-hmm. wouldn't have ever allowed us to have alcohol. She was saved and sanctified. Mm-hmm. So there was not going to be any alcohol there. And I have to say that I'm very grateful mm-hmm. because my family is crazy. I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to see a whole bunch of them on alcohol and turkey at the same time. <laughs> So I asked you the question about the people who maybe have decided not to go home for political reasons. And so is it still, is it okay for a survivor just to be like, Hey, you know what? Yeah, it was five years ago. It was 15 years ago. Maybe it was 20 years ago, but 
it never feels good for me when I go home. Is it okay for that person to make decision to um, pass on that turkey? Yeah, I think it is. I think every family is different, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's different dynamics and every situation looks different. Um, So there may be some situations where maybe an abuser is still coming to the holiday dinner or holiday right. party, the family gathering. Um, and if you don't feel safe or, and, and then you have children, you don't mm-hmm. want to bring your children around that. Right. So, right. so there's always those safety concerns. Um, but then there's, there's can we pause uh-huh. there just for a minute? Cause as yeah. an advocate for survivors and about really wanting to prevent abuse, I think way too many times we just say, Oh, family first. And we will mm-hmm. take our kids around <laughs> family, Mm -hmm. even those who were abusers. Can I tell you from being a social worker and for doing healing work Mm -hmm. with survivors and as a therapist, I know you will back me up on this. How many times children, the children Mm -hmm. of those who have been abused are exposed to the abuser and then they Mm -hmm. also are abused because it's this kind of diluted, almost perverted sense of family that Mm -hmm. continues to put children in the line of fire. Yes. Can you talk about that just for a moment? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a very complex thing, um, and it's it, it's it's that cycle that just kind of keeps happening within families sometimes, mm-hmm. where it's just like um, you talk to a lot of um, survivors from sexual abuse, and they'll talk about, well, my mom was, and and mm-hmm. they and they usually don't find out until they're like grown ups, usually, right. right? Right. And then they're like, and my grandmother was, and then you talk to the grandma, and their their mom was, right. you know, um, and so it's almost like it's just kind of like the family norm, and it's mm-hmm. not. I don't think that people do it on purpose, but it's they but, don't not do it on purpose. But they're not exactly. You're not being intentional as far as making sure it doesn't happen. Right, right. And you're yeah. wearing a very powerful t shirt yeah, today. You're... No more secrets. <laughs> and I think you know, we need to really look at the secrets that we are having and mm-hmm. harboring in our families that continue to put, you know, not just those who may be now adult survivors of childhood abuse, mm-hmm. but current children yeah. in the line of fire. And so really, um, you know, really looking at that and challenging that. So yeah. Cassie, we're going to speak with you today. Can you speak to making the decision not to go home for the holidays. Yeah. So, um, I think my initial, I mean, my initial decision came after a long, I mean, I was in college, um, my sophomore year. And I remember just having this extreme anxiety. Um, I think it was for, uh, Christmas having this extreme anxiety to go home. And at that time, I didn't open up about my story as a um, sexual abuse survivor, which I'm open to, you know, talking about and being, you know. But um, I wasn't open about that. I didn't tell anybody. No one knew. Only meeting God, you know, mm-hmm. and, the, and the person that it, it happened with. So um, there's always been anxiety around that. And I found myself um, having really, you know, bad, like, mental health issues and stuff like that. Um, and I was hospitalized. So then, um, after that point, which was about, I think it was like 2011, um, had, I had been experiencing like mental health stuff or whatever, but then it was just became like, I need to figure out <laughs> like what, What's I need going to, out. right. What needs to happen when, you know, and I still, even after that, that moment, that was the first time I was ever hospitalized after that breaking point. Um, I still was complacent to going home mm-hmm. for the next two years. And then, um, just 
having this idealized version of what it means to have a family. And for me, um, I, as someone who's, uh, you know, in the theater into watching these films mm-hmm. <laughs> that, you know, have these idealized versions of family, it became like, this is what I want. I want, you know, I want my parents to understand me. I want my siblings to understand me. I want, I want to have what I'm seeing out there, what my other friends are experiencing, having mm-hmm. that, um, emotional attachment to it. And I'd started becoming detached to, um, my family started feeling resentment. So then, um, it just became, uh, a situation where I had to just be honest with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so for about the last four years, I've, you know, I, there's some moments I would go back home, but there for, for holiday functions, not so much. And I don't, I don't think for the last Thanksgiving and Christmas, um, gatherings, I haven't been back. And just because I know there's that, that toxic, toxicity mm-hmm. that's still there um because there's this complacency and not knowing how to how to how to break that right um and not being honest about it being accountable I, and i think there's a lot that's said within families that's not verbally said mm-hmm. too and i think that's what people pick up on a lot right. like um you know is the victim kind of almost blamed you know, right. and it shows up in a lot of different behaviors, even if people don't verbally say that. And mm-hmm. so I think those things, too, are kind of around the family and you and, and people pick up on those things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, as Cassie talked about being at this breaking point, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes it takes this low that begins our quest for healing. And I think sometimes what families find difficult, it's like, well, you always came before. Why now? What's going on now? Because all of this function has been normalized. And when one person begins to heal, it's kind of like, well, what's on with you now? Exactly. And I think um, when, when people finally open up about what the actual struggle is, they don't, they can't understand how they're a part of it for some reason, because you've, and my voice has been, had been silenced for a long time. Mm-hmm. I've, I allowed a lot, um, to happen just because I, I wanted to be that strong person. I wanted to be the, 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 the person. And, and a, a lot of people in my family depend on me for emotional support and, um, just being there for them in general. So when I became that, essentially that rock for my family, um, from both my parents and all of my siblings, then it just became, I can't talk about what I'm going through. And then after that experience happened, it went on for years, but after it happened and it, after it ended, um, I just kind of closed down. So then when, when people are like, what are you, where is this coming from? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they don't know how to react because you never said anything about it. You right. never spoke ill about, um, about a situation or about a family member or whatever. You just kind of allowed it to fester within mm-hmm. you. Um, and then it just became, you know, like my, it's, it's hard for my family to understand even when I break it down to them, why I'm not going to be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're just like, but why though? You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then you break it down again. But why? You know, so um, it's, it, this, uh, people are, it's, it's really hard for people to be self-accountable and to be, uh, aware of of how they they play a role in um in a situation because mm-hmm. especially if it's a painful situation you right. don't want to be the person who has caused that pain right. or be the one who has mm-hmm. been blind to it or enabled it right. um so how do you become accountable for that and how do you fix that um right. and and 
this is very hard and difficult um, self-accountability there that it's just not people, people just aren't used to that. Right. So Cassie is, is, as you're doing on your healing journey and you're deciding to create some healthy boundaries, is this just about being mad and unforgiving? Yeah, at first it was. Okay, but that's honest. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but I realized that that was also toxic. And um, and it wasn't just, it was more toxic for me than it is for them. Uh, just because they're not, I mean, I live in a different city than them. Mm-hmm. They're not present to see my experience. Um, I'm not present for theirs. But there's also, um, like within that, that, uh, that unforgiving stage and that, that, um, uh, negative self-talk that you have about, you know, not going home for the holidays and whatnot, how that just makes you feel even more alone, even more resentment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started just noticing that it, it's not just me that has this resentment. There's this unspoken, um, cycle of, uh, negative self-talk without, with, you know, both sides of my family, mm-hmm. you know, me being biracial, I, I don't really get a chance to be around my mother's side. Um, and she's white. I don't get a chance to be around them as much, but I grew up around my dad's side of the family, uh, which is very Southern, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, black family. And they, uh, there's still just a lot that's just not talked about. Right. Um, and so it, it goes from generation to generation and that's on both sides of my family. There are things that I found out about my mom's side, um, uh, visiting with my grandma and stuff in, in mm-hmm. Portland and whatnot, um, that when you have both sides <laughs> that I have this like, um, history of just not just brushing things under the rug, mm-hmm. it becomes a, it becomes a cycle. Right. And so, um, you know, for me, I had to, for, I had to figure out how to forgive. I'm still in the process of forgiving. Mm-hmm. I haven't mm-hmm. forgiven complete completely. So I can still, now I'm in a space where I can go home, mm-hmm. um, and visit, but I can't yeah. stay long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is right. And it, and it's very, very rare that it's the holidays that I decide to do that just because there's a lot more emotions involved and a lot more expectations involved in holiday gatherings, Mm -hmm. I think. Absolutely. And, you know, um, a couple of weeks back we had Ulysses Butch Slaughter on and he talked a little bit about his work on forgiving. He has a forgiving you that he's working particularly with black men around forgiving. And so often when we're having a conversation with folks who have been abused or wounded in some way, one of the first questions is, have you forgiven? And there's always this expectation that you both the wounded person must also do this reconciliation work. So how can we begin to have more conversations, Myra, with families mm-hmm. on restitution and um, reconciliation that there is or should be the onus on the person who has caused harm to do something to repair it. Yeah. I think first, the first thing is that we have to acknowledge that there is a problem. And I think that's the biggest problem or Mm. the biggest hurdle that most families have is to admit that there, that the thing happened. Right. right? And that, um, and like you said, everyone kind of plays a part in that too. Right. Sometimes it's not just sometimes the one person, sometimes it's, Maybe um, the neglect of mom or dad that wasn't there mm-hmm. to, to cover, to protect a child or, or different things like that. And so it really takes that whole family kind of acknowledging their role, yes. acknowledging that it happened. And then I think from there, 
that's when you kind of start to heal. Like, how can we do things differently? Right. Right. And then but you must first acknowledge that acknowledge there is a it. problem. Yeah. When you see yeah. that big lump up underneath the rug, mm-hmm. y'all done swept something under there. Right. Acknowledge mm-hmm. it. So I want to give a shout out to Lucy who um, called in just to say thanks for this topic. Lucy, thank you for your call, because I think this is something that many people who have been wounded, they never get kind of the affirmation mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. creating space that is healing mm-hmm. for you is not only OK, but it's sometimes very necessary in order to continue to survive. And so, Cassie, um, I know just from knowing you and conversations we've had that you really feel that it's important to break the cycle of unhealthy family dynamics. Why is this so important to you and what are some things that you've done? Um, I think uh, it's important to me because it it helps um, call a thing a thing, essentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when you acknowledge something, you're accepting what has happened. I mean, there has to be some acceptance in that because you're saying it out loud. And then it's then you have to figure out where to move on from there, Mm -hmm. Um, whether you stay stagnant or whether you decide to move forward. Um, (laughs) Unfortunately, my calling a thing a thing has allowed some like complacency in the fact that, yeah, I still don't want to talk about it. But um, for me, knowing that and seeing that it's helped me. Uh, understand that I need to create a sense for myself for my mental health um, because if I don't then I'm going to stay where th- where that is mm-hmm. um, and so in, in breaking the cycle uh, it it may break the cycle in the, in the sense that um, it kind of creates a, um, like a burden on the family situation but in a personalized way it helps me move forward and to, to more understand where family is and where family comes from. Um, because home is where the heart is. So where is that, where is that home for me? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So if it's, if it's with friends, which I'm learning and understanding that it ha- sometimes it just comes from friends who with God, who God blesses us with, mm-hmm. um, outside of that, who can kind of, um, help fill those voids that, um, I had, you know, for such a long time. Um, and it also helps me understand where I need to meet where my, my family at, um, mm-hmm. as far as their understanding of, um, of what they need to do to move forward. I think let's pause it for a second. Cause I think that's a really good point because when we start going through a healing journey, we become enlightened mm-hmm. and we understand things in a different way. And I think sometimes we unfairly expect our family members to be at the same place mm-hmm. that maybe has not only taken time, but it's taken some really dark places for us to understand mm-hmm. ourselves. And so I think being patient where we can to allow folks who mm-hmm. want to catch up, catch up to where we are. Mm-hmm. Allow them to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 for sure. And who want to catch up. That's a right. very important because sometimes it's not um, they may want to, but they don't know how to. Mm-hmm. And so they still stay back because mm-hmm. that's a risk that they're taking. Right. Um, to move forward with you. Yeah, because like you said, when you call a thing a thing, then you become the thing. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody doesn't want to be on Gilligan's Island with you <laughs> and your thing. <laughs> because, you know, you kind of see the risk that happens when you become a truth teller yeah. in your family or in a relationship. And it's not always a very pretty, mm-hmm. pretty journey. Um, Myra, what are some things 
that people who are wanting to create some new direction for themselves, do you have any thoughts on what they can begin to do? Yeah, um, I just wanted to just rewind just a little bit um, about talking about parents um, and and just around this trauma, because there's been so much research that they have done as far as like what is like some of the biggest indicators of children and people just kind of moving forward. And it is having that supportive caregiver and having that response of a caregiver, right, A, a response that they're validating what happened. Um, and so that it, that's huge just right there. And sometimes the, the biggest trauma of it all is when you don't get that or when you get yes. that negative response from right. a parent or someone who is supposed to be protective of you. So Okay, so a, a parent who may mm-hmm. be struggling right now around this because they may be thinking about this mm-hmm. too as they're making that dressing and macaroni mm-hmm. and cheese and sweet mm-hmm. potatoes and cornbread, you know, they're getting ready. So what... What does it look like being a parent that is responsive in a way that is healing to a child? And even, Mm -hmm. may I say, even an adult child, because when you've never gotten that affirmation, that little boy, that little girl inside of you is still Mm -hmm. looking for it. So you got maybe two or three things that that might, ways that may look. Um, I, I think really validating that it happened, Mm -hmm. that you're sorry that you weren't there or that you're there now to protect them. Yes. And if there's someone that is in your life that's harmful, mm-hmm. that they can no longer be a part of that anymore. And yes. and and there's some different circumstances, right? Mm-hmm. Like sometimes it's a sibling or different things like that. But if it's a spouse or a cousin or something like that, that you're also making it safe. Yes. Those are some excellent, yeah. excellent points. So it's, it's never too late to still bring some healing right, it's to never the situation. So if we mm-hmm. have some families out there that have struggled with this type of a scenario, know that as a parent, as a sibling, as an auntie, grandma, whomever, that you can still bring some healing into the scenario. So if you know someone is not showing up for turkey dinner this year, or you find out afterwards, be the one maybe who is the one who reaches mm-hmm. out and mm-hmm. just says, hey, we missed you. You know, is there anything mm-hmm. that you need to talk about? Because I think oftentimes people find themselves without having an ally. Right. You know, and it, it always makes me ask, you like, why is the person who's been harmed within a family targeted? when they make those healthy decisions for themselves and there tends to be an allyship with the person who has done the harm. Mm-hmm. What is that all about? Oh, those are very Yeah. I mean, those are just, yes. I mean, a lot of different family dynamics come into the, into play and it's, I mean, you almost have to go dig deep in family history mm-hmm. to see what has been the, the pattern and how was that person raised? Were they raised to maybe value um, men or women over someone or, um, you know, I mean, there's mm-hmm. so many deep things, right? I should just what's it, the meaning of life. <laughs> it would have been easier to answer than that question. Yeah, I, I mean, you you would really have to just really dig up family history, right? Yeah. And 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 that's the thing is that we're all really influenced on on our behavior. Our behavior is influenced on on others and yeah. family and you know, how we were raised and but you know all but- of that plays into it. But as a former social worker and someone mm-hmm. who's worked in the social service field for 
a long time. I won't say how long. And then you as, as a therapist, even though clearly understanding that each family still deals with things differently, this has just been a common theme that I see across families, across circumstances, Mm -hmm. across cultures, Mm -hmm. across economics, that there is this need. And I think it really stems from the desire to nullify the harm Mm -hmm. and instead embrace, even if it's a false image, even if you Mm -hmm. know it's a false image, but in some way it's a comfortable image that we're a happy family and everything Mm -hmm. is well, and it's easier to sacrifice the one than to lose the whole. Yep. Can I speak on that too? Oh, absolutely. So, um, as someone who kind of felt a rejection from all of my family, when I, when I opened up about, you know, my experience, I feel like, you know, obviously I was angry. I think it also kind of stunted my healing journey mm-hmm. for a few years. Actually, it took me a while to bounce back from that because you really want your your besides family, you want your parents to kind of, you know, just just nurture you. You want them to be there for you. Right. But um, from from what I can just say about my family, I think some of that just stems from like the rejection of um wanting to feel a part of that situation, mm-hmm. especially if it's with, within the immediate family, you don't want to feel like you're, you should have seen it or that you should have uh, noticed it or that, right. it sh- you know, so it's like, it's easier to kind of reject the notion that um, someone was hurt because it wasn't talked about. And it's easier to just bounce back into this complacent state of um, wanting to just smooth everything over mm-hmm. and then, kind, you know, just playing back, going back and forth with that. Uh, with that situation, it's just easier to be complacent than it is to take a step forward on, on your own, really. Yeah. Um, so I think, I mean, that's just what I experienced in my family, mm-hmm. among other things. But Yeah, I think that's true. So what about those who, despite the trauma and drama, they're going to go anyway? They just can't stay away from Big Mama's caramel cake. What are some tips we can give them to kind of lessen the the, the impact? I think just like I said earlier, it's to have a plan, right? Okay. So we can't change how other people behave mm-hmm. or how other people act or feel about things. Really, the only thing you can change is your yourself, right? Right. And so if you need to, whatever the family drama or trauma is, Mm -hmm. um, you need to kind of figure out how do you want to act? Right. How, you know, what situations are you willing to deal with and not? When Mm -hmm. do you need to leave the room? Mm -hmm. When do you need to do these kind of different things? Right. Right. And so having that plan, Mm -hmm. right. Or knowing like I can only stay an hour and then I'm going to go or, you know, and I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. And then if it is trauma, and not just drama. Yes. Um, if it's trauma, you need to be on that healing journey, mm-hmm. right? And that's regardless if you have that validation or not. Yes. You have those choices now as an adult, right? On yes. on to get healing and to get help. And you can't wait for other people. It can't right. wait. And so it starts way before the holidays. Mm -hmm. It starts with you just making that first step, maybe getting into therapy or just having some kind of mentor or, you know, just getting that healing started. Right. Um, And I think that's like the best thing to do. That sounds that sounds good. So for some of y'all, that might mean you might just need to go by and get a plate. Now, this is a concept that right. black folks really yes. understand about yeah, getting that plate, absolutely. going to that house right quick, 
You know, make that plate up, uh-huh. grab some foil, wrap yep. it up, and go on home, watch some Netflix or something, <laughs> yep. and just kind of deal without all of the other stuff Absolutely. that comes with it. But I, I love the idea about being proactive because mm-hmm. many people that I've dealt with over the years that have been wounded as children, there's still that little child inside of them mm-hmm. that is looking for the parents to step forward, looking for someone mm-hmm. to save them. And at this point, if you're an adult, you need yeah. to save yourself. Yeah. You need to save yourself, yeah. especially if you're a parent. Yeah. And your kids are looking at how you're coping with life. Yeah. You need to save yourself. And listen, I'm going to tell you the truth. If you all go home and you know, you know, freaky Uncle Johnny is there, watch your kids. Mm-hmm. watch your kids don't you know don't be foolish because i like i said earlier i've just have heard stories after story after story where that person mm-hmm. has been there and they get access to those kids again and the the danger of it right. is that when you act like nothing has happened and kids are around folks who are mm-hmm. dangerous mm-hmm. they see that person as safe and even if you think you can save them and protect them in your presence, if they should happen to see that person elsewhere, they're going to think they're safe because you right. acted like they were safe. So right. it's important. It's important as an advocate for children. I'm telling you this from the deepest part yes. of my heart to make sure that we protect our children, that we let them know who's safe and not safe. And it doesn't mean that you have to go into tons of descriptions and keep it mm-hmm. age appropriate, but it's on us now. Absolutely. It's on us now to stop this cycle, mm-hmm. you know. So um, we we have a couple minutes. So just right quick, Myra, is there anything that you can talk to family? Like if I'm a family member and I want to now be an ally for someone in my family who's been wounded, any thoughts or tips that they can do now? Like not a parent, but maybe a yeah. sister or an auntie. Yeah, I think um... – Maybe it's having the holidays at a different place, or maybe you want to host with the person that can't be around, you know, the other trauma. If there's someone um, that's like an abuser that's still attending um, dinners and and those family gatherings. Um, So maybe it's doing something on the side, right? Something different. Um, Great idea. Yeah, it could could look so many different ways, Mm -hmm. but I think making sure that person is not left out. Right. And that they know that you're there and not just saying it, but like doing something that shows that you're there. Yeah. Just saying, oh, I'm here. I'm here for you to talk. But then creating that safe environment. (laughs) No, I love that. So maybe you make the plate and wrap it up and you bring it to the person, you know, or do something, go out Mm -hmm. for a movie. You know, all these movies that are coming out for Thanksgiving Day or ice cream or cheesecake or any such thing. A sweets always seem to help a little bit. Absolutely. And then, and it could continue the next day with shopping. There you go. (laughs) There you go. A new tradition or something. And Mary, where are you located? Um, Located on the West side of Madison, right off of Rayovac drive. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Great. Great. So folks can look you up there. Um, I just want to share a deep gratitude to Lori Burgos, who called in and shared about her family story. And then also Cassie, you know, to, to share about your family. We appreciate that. 
and sharing how you're coping and creating um, a different healing journey for yourself. And then Myra, thank you so much for appearing from Anesis. And we definitely want to have you back again. Oh, it'd be wonderful. Absolutely. We appreciate the advice that you shared with us and we find it extremely helpful and want to continue to move forward in health. And so from my family to yours out there and everyone here, if I can speak for you all, we wish you, can I speak for you all? All right, then. Uh, We wish you a very happy Thanksgiving. Take care. That was a good conversation. And look, we mean this thing. We are not playing. We are committed to defending black girls. And look, we want you to get involved. Please visit Lalata.org to explore the work that we are doing to defend black girls to be safe wherever they are. And look, while you're there, please sign up for our mailing list so that you will not miss one single fearless conversation.